We are at our seventh um, message on the life of Joseph. This installment has to do with last week's message in which we began the subject of providence of God. So uh, as we, as we uh, begin to focus our minds on this, remember we, we sort of want to pick up where we left off two, two weeks ago. Uh, providence, providence is a prominent theme in the life of Joseph. You cannot read this awesome story without noticing the providence of God in this man's life. And we learn that uh, nothing can change, and nothing can derail the plan of God for your life. And that is a secure, very secure, assuring thing. We'll go to that. But uh, we also learn that uh, all of this in the children of God who are trusting and who are walking toward uh, Him. We said that providence means to provide beforehand. To provide beforehand. You know, and only God knows beforehand what you need. What is best for your life. What it is that must come into your life to take you to the place where He wants you to ultimately uh, end up. So, providence, this uh, uh, concept of Providing beforehand, only God knows the future and only God can manage it perfectly. Now, one of the reasons you want to learn about providence is because you want to prevent uh, um, uh, collapse, a collapse in, in your faith. You want to be able to help yourself from not having some sort of a fainting spiritual moment because you think oh my life is just gone you know helter skelter who's in control oh my goodness you know and throw your hands up and wonder yeah, who really is running uh, my life when the difficult moments come we began a three part section and the first part was the will of God. We, we sort of tackled again a concept, an idea of the will of God that uh, I said usually comes to us through lies. And I say lies because honestly, folks, I cannot find scriptural support to be able to teach. And mind you, I know that if you do, you make people really, really happy. Because people, sometimes people just want to hear the right things, the good things, the pleasant things. And uh, the idea that if you love God, and if you are in the center of the will of God, well then nothing bad, nothing painful will come to your life. Really? Look at the Bible. Look at the saints. Look at the people. Look at the life of Christ. We're studying the life of Joseph. Couldn't have been more in the center of God's will. But um, there were challenges. We learned that God's will does not, does not exclude us from pain 
adversity or problems. We learn that God has a hand that provides and it moves and it guides and many times very much secretly in our lives. We learn that the providence of God led Joseph through a minefield of danger, adversity, injustice, pain. Why? To, the, to bring him to the predetermined place. To bring him to that crossroad in his life where it all was supposed to take shape and show forth the glory of God. So, to do that, we um, sort of began to tackle some actions, some uh, uh, verbs in the life of Joseph. Uh, these verbs come to us in the form of participles, that's ing endings, and, and they were essential, these, these actions, these verbs that were in his life were essential to his arriving at the goal that God had given him in those dreams. How to get him to that, where the stars and the moon and, and, uh, and the sun would bow before him and the sheaves would bow before him. To bring him to that, God worked some things in his life. These actions, the first one we looked at was suffering. Suffering. Suffering was part of that. Waiting. Waiting. We talked about waiting. Trusting. Trusting was used to bring him to that. And now we come to uh, two series, two, two more of those actions. So we step into new material today. And then we're going to end up in the book of Romans. And uh, for that, we'll ring a little bell to wake anybody up that might be asleep. And to pull out our thinking caps because it's going to be a, a, a quick, fun study in Romans 8. So let's pray. And ask God to guide us this morning. Father, it is of our heart and our desire to be here this morning. Overall, to worship you. To honor you. To thank you. And because, Father, your word is important to us. And because in it, Father, you teach us. You mold us. And so, Father, speak to our hearts that we may hear into our minds, that we may understand. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. Um, the next action, the next verbal act, verb in, in the life of Joseph that we need to again underline is forgiving. Forgetting. Oh dear, dear, dear. How can we ever, or should I say, can we ever say enough to the human heart about forgiving and forgetting? It's an important part of our Christian life. It is the center of the gospel that God in Christ would forgive me. And then he says that we are to forgive one another. You will never get through the journey. You will never reach the other side in peace and tranquility. In the best that God has to offer you, 
If you do not learn to forgive, if you do not learn to forget. Let me point out that sometimes, because life is what it is, and because of the situations that kind of come against us, it requires an intervention of God to forgive and forget. Yes. But may I say, God is there for that purpose. If truly you seek to learn forgiveness and to learn to forget. We learned something of that in the life of Joseph, if you remember. If you want to, you can uh, refresh your mind in Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. He has a son, his first son. And he has to give him a name. And he calls him Manasseh. And if you remember what the scripture says there in chapter 41, verse 31, uh, 51, it says Manasseh, and then he tells us what it means. God has made me to forget all my pain in my father's house. How did he forget the pain? He said, God, God has made me to forget. Yeah, there's just times when you have got to come to God and say, this is way bigger than me, Lord. The pain is too deep. The memory is too broad. The, 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 the memory is too, too vivid. God, help me to forgive. Teach me to forgive. Help me to forget. Forgetting do you realize is not amnesia? Do you know what amnesia is? You know, this is when supposedly our mind just simply sort of shorts out and is in, unable to recall an incident in our life. A head trauma situation, uh, drug-induced, or something. A lot of people on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning after a real tough weekend. Amnesia is you just can't remember it because it, there's nothing, there's no recollection. That is not forgetting. That, that's not how it works. You know, God says that uh, uh, our sins and our iniquities, He tells us, I will remember no more, right? Does that mean that God has some sort of spiritual amnesia? Can he, can he really do that? What, what does it mean when it says that he just will not remember? It means he doesn't hold it against you. That's what it means. That is forgiving. It's not holding it against a person that harmed you. Do you ever have trouble forgiving the sidewalk, when you stomp your toe. You know, you're walking down the sidewalk and you're wearing your nice open shoes, ladies, and you hit that sidewalk piece that's a little up. Have you any problem in forgiving that sidewalk? Not really, right? All the times you're probably mad at yourself for not looking down, picking up your feet. So we're talking about people. People hurt us. Nothing else. And if you kick your cat, if you kick your dog, it's usually because of your partner, or your sons, or your neighbors. You take it out on your dog and cat, but 
You forgiving things, no problem. It's people. So when we forgive, it's when we hold it not against him. Joseph learned that. Folks, if he hadn't learned that, he wouldn't have gotten to where he got. The next action verb was rejoicing. Rejoicing and triumphing in the midst of the situation. Okay, you've had a hard day. Got a bad call. A problem occurred. A situation has arisen. Someone's mistake is now costing you. Maybe it's your mistake. Okay, things happen. Well, life is kind of difficult. We live in a fallen world and things come at us from all angles. Uh, right now that hurricane is going through the east coast of the United States. So, you know, last night we were on the phone. We talked to all grandma and grandpas that live on the east coast. Reminded them what they should do. You know, uh, this morning I got up, looked at the internet to see where the hurricane was. You know, it just, just now it's really starting to come into Long Island where my parents are. It just went past where the other grandparents are in Virginia. And I reminded them, you know, you might wake up tomorrow and that roof is gone. Could happen. I told my mom, don't park your car underneath the tree. Things happen. But when they do, what does the Bible say? Get mad? Throw a fit? Get upset? Blame somebody? Doesn't it say, for everything... And in everything, give thanks. That's what it says. Now, how can you give thanks for everything and in everything? Really? I mean, folks, if that's difficult for me, I know it's difficult for you. So we got to look at the scripture just a little bit, just a little bit. Okay, so we can kind of swallow... Are, you know, through this and, and, and work. So follow me, please, to the book of Ephesians, just for a little bit. Chapter 5, verse 20. In Ephesians 5, 20, there is an expression that kind of catches us by surprise. The Apostle Paul says to us, in 5, 20, okay, you're there. I'll read. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To God, even the Father. Always giving thanks for all things. How do you do that? How do you give thanks for devastating medical news? Hardships? In the family, difficulties in our finances, trouble, someone else's sin against us. How do you give thanks? Would you please follow me to verse 18? Just go back a few verses. Just to verse 18. Let me just uh, read to you what it says there. And do not get drunk with wine, for it is uh, 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 for that is dissipation or debauchery. Next. But be filled with the Spirit. That's the context. 
Be filled with the Spirit. And then it says, speaking. Now when you are filled with the Spirit of God, this is what happens. Listen, it says that you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You sing, you make melody with your heart to the Lord. And you say, yeah, I got that. And then you come to verse 20. And you give thanks to God for all things in your life. And you go, really, do I have to do that? You don't know my neighbor. My mother-in-law. My brother-in-law. You have no idea who I married. I mean, you can come up with a thousand things. Are you really telling me to thank God for all of that? And you say, yeah. Spirit-filled person says, thank you God, because you're working in my life. Because your providence allowed it to come into my life for a purpose, for a reason. To make me more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Great. Go to the next verse. If you can please follow me to 1 Thessalonians. You are in Ephesians. Just keep working your way back towards the end of the New Testament. Just a couple of books. You'll come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. Do you want me to thank you for everything that comes into my life? He says, yeah. I mean, but I bought that car and it turned out to be a lemon. Yeah. And Telefonica. Hey, want want to raise your hand on that one? Hmm? You want to deal with Telefonica? I mean, hello. Yeah. Okay. But now look at what 1 Thessalonians then says. Chapter 5, verse 18. It says, in, oh my word. You don't just want me to thank you for it. You want me to thank you in the middle of it. Yes. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. So what is the will of God? Well, I tell you what. Grab it again in context. Just step back one verse. Just step back. One verse to verse um, um, 17. 16, excuse me. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. This is the will of God. Often people ask me, Oh, pastor, I just want to know God's will in my life. I understand that we've all been there. We all go there. Want to know quickly one of God's wills for your life? He says right there in that, uh, those quick three verses, he says rejoice. He says pray. And yeah, in the middle of it, thank God, no matter what's coming down your highway. Joseph. Joseph shows us to rejoice, to triumph, no matter what. We're having to deal with. But folks, it's not because you're, you're a masochist. You know, It's not because you're sicko. It's not because somehow you just give yourself to chance. It's because you believe in the providence of God. That says nothing comes into my life that God does not allow. Therefore, whether it is good to me or not... God thinks it is, and I will not kick against 
the stones. Okay. Actions. Action verbs that should be implanted in our life. Number three. And I say three because we're following from the last message or two for this one. Assurance. Providence gives us assurance. Assurance of who is in control. Assurance for my life. Assurance for my destiny. Assurance for where it is I'm going to end up. You believe that. Because you say, I know whom I have believed in. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 39. May I say this as we enter this passage. I cannot. I cannot give you assurance. Nor can I take that assurance away if you have it. You see, all of that belongs to God. That is His territory. Because we learn that it is to those who love God. Alright, we're going to start in Romans 8, 28 through 39. We're going to start in verse 35. We've got we to catch ourselves as to why this passage was written and why it is so important. Verse 35 of Romans chapter 8. Verse 35 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of God? And therefore, who can separate us from the plan of God? Who can separate me from the love, from the plan, from the purposes that God has for my life? If you love God, God is working in your life. That was the first verse of our passage. Verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. The called are the ones that love God. Did you notice it doesn't say that all things work together for good to those who believe in God? That is not assurance. Believing in God is nice. Warm and cuddly. But it ain't going to get you into His presence. Do you love God? Because if you love God, He is in a providential kind of mood for your life. He will provide long before you need even what you don't want. But He knows you need to make you more like His Son, Jesus Christ. So, the passage. Now you got to put your thinking caps on, folks. This one gets a little... But it's great. Listen. If you can get what I'm about to share with you, it'll excite you to see that the Word of God is inspired, that every single word is inspired, that it was all put together for a purpose that we would understand. And in this passage, assurance. That we would find assurance. So, Romans chapter 8. First, let me begin by reading a little bit here. 
and um, verse 28, and we'll read right through um, 30, okay? Just those three verses. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom He predestined, these He also called, and whom He called, these He also justified, and whom He justified, these He also glorified. Um, jump down to verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Verse um, verse, uh, verse 33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. All right. There are some words there that are worth our attention, obviously. They are eight verbs. Eight action verbs. And the, the verb is, uh, it's, it's subject, it's a response to the subject. It's an action accomplished by the subject. Now the subject is God. Beginning in verse 28, you'll see the subject is God. Beginning at 28 and continually following, God is the subject of these verbs, of of these verses. God works together. God foreknew, that is to know beforehand. God predestined, that is to predetermine a destination. Even before you get there. Now that's simple. By the way, that's not very complicated. You know, when you sit in your vehicle and you program your, your GPS to get to a certain address that you've never been, right? You're telling it where to go. It will take you there before you even get there, right? It just tells you where you're going. That's too predestinate. Or when you put an envelope and write out the address, put a stamp, you stick it in that box, you know where it's going to end up. That's not, no, that's not a complicated subject. We complicated, no. We are then, he says, called. We are justified. That's to be rendered innocent. God makes us innocent. We are then glorified. That is to be placed uh, to, to be put in a place of honor. God puts us in a place of honor. We are then delivered. That's substitution. He delivered Christ for us. Substitution. And He then says that He intercedes. He supplicates on our behalf. God is doing that for those who love Him. That's just something He says. No one can, can, can change that. God whom He loves, He works all things, He foreknows, He predestines, He calls, He justifies, He glorifies, He delivers, He intercedes. Now, get to verse 35, the question is this, Who can separate me from the love of God, the purpose of God? Who is it that can do these things? Can I show you a very simple concept? This is not human fatalism. 
This isn't, oh, you know, well, this is what, I will do this because. This isn't even human response. This isn't, you do nothing about this. Do you realize you have no part in working together for knowing, predestinating, called, justified, glorified, delivered, and, and intercedes? You have nothing to do with that. You actually are just a recipient. So it's not fatalism. There's no human responsibility there. May I point out, this is simply all the work of God in you. Guess what that is? Providence. God providing beforehand what you really need. When we then get to verse 35, we have to answer the question that Paul states. There's a few questions in this passage, but we're not doing a full uh, study of it. You know, We're not going to do it all, but he starts off by stating a question. Who will separate us from the love of God? Who? Well, he answers it. And he answers it, funny enough, totally the opposite with how he expressed to us the idea of providence. Providence were actions, verbs. Verbs brought out by God. He answers the next question with nouns. Do you know what a noun is? Person, place, or thing. Remember that? Grammar school. What is a noun? Person, place, or thing. He answers it through nouns. Who will separate us from the love of God? So, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ of God? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? Just as it is written, For thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. He is quoting Psalm 44 verse 22. Verse 37, But in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquerors through Him who loves us. Those nouns aren't going to do a thing to you, is what he's saying. Then he lists more nouns. I wish I had time to do all of the. But then he lists a few more nouns in, in, in couplets. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, the NIV says demons, nor... Things present, nor things to come, nor powers. Verse 39. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate. There's that word again from verse 39. He asked the question, who will separate me from the love of God? Now, by the way, separate is a verb. And it's answering the subject, or it is mandated by the subject, who? Who can separate? Now, just follow with me. Previously, in the verses above, the subject was God, and the verbs were to our favor. Acts of God to us. Works together, foreknows, predestines, calls, justifies, glorifies, delivers, intercedes. God, working on my behalf. Question, so who can work against you? Who can then um, separate you? And he answers it. Tribulation? Distress? There are 17 nouns, 15 of which are considered... uh, Hold on to yourself. This is one of those. They are anarthrous nouns. 
What does that mean? Well, you know, actually, I, I forgot. And I went back into that. And they're nouns that don't have articles. Don't need articles. To, they stand on their own. Remember John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. God is another noun there that is an, uh, a noun that needs no article. That's why it stands without it. And that's why to put a noun in front, an article in front of it throws it all off. So these nouns stand by themselves. Who, meaning what person, what individual can throw at you this? Nouns, person, place, or thing. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Can I say something here? It's not saying it ain't coming, folks. It's not saying it ain't coming. It's saying... Will those things separate you? If anything, you know what it's really saying? When they come, just remember they can't separate you. There's no assurance that these things won't happen to you. It's probably actually going to happen to you. Because life happens. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. And then the, 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 the duplicates. Death and life. Angels and demons, things present, things to come. Then you got your powers. He just throws in the word powers as if to say, hey, did I forget any of that? You know, if they left anything out to do with the spiritual realm. And then he says, height, depth, nor any other created thing. By the way, height and depth. You ever ask yourself, why is he talking about height and depth? Falling from a building or falling into a hole? Now actually, they are uh, astrological terms. He was actually dealing with the idea of people who worry about stars, you know, the horoscope, you know, what does the horoscope say about me today? I really hope you don't read those things. But anyway, you know, those things that you think create fear in you, he says, no noun, not one single noun, nor all of these nouns can do, can create a verb, separate. Who can separate? Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, from the purpose of God, from the working of God in your life. You know what? If you are God's, nothing is going to come between you and your Savior. Nothing. So when something seems to come into your life that is just not of your liking, you look to your God and you say, I believe in your providence. And I know you're allowing this to come into my life and I thank you for it. And I thank you while I'm in it. And I look forward to getting out of it. To seeing what it is I was supposed to learn. We will never be separated from the love of God, from the plan of God, from the purposes of God. Assurance. Assurance. Let me conclude. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India for about 55 years from Northern Ireland, she's a hero in the missionary world. Do you know why? Never went home. 
She never had a furlough. She left for Japan, from Japan moved over to India, and never again saw the British Isles. Dedicated her whole life to the people of India. Amy Carmichael said this, Nothing anyone does can injure us. Nothing anyone does can injure us unless we allow it to cause a bad reaction in our spirit. Only our reactions can bless or hurt. A.W. Tozer said, It matters not what happens to me. It only matters how I respond to what happens to me. I thank God for the confidence that is found, for the assurance that is found in the providence of God. How big is your God? Can He hold you together through the difficulties of life? Is He really in control? Is He really master of all things? It matters not what happens. Because I will not lose faith. For God is working in my life to bring about His plan and His purpose. And you just say in the innermost being of your soul, Thy will be done. I'll accept your will, God, because it's perfect. Providence. God is providing beforehand to teach you, to teach me, to forge us, to form us, to make us conform to the image of His Son. And if He spared not His Son, but gave Him up, You really think you're going to have a hunky-dory life? Is that what's really going to make you? My, my uh, adopted daughter, Laura, called me last night from Barcelona. I forgot I'd ask her. I forgot I talked to her about this. She calls me up and says, I need you to help me find uh, something on Social Security. You all know what Social Security is in the United States and in your country. Y'all have the, I'm sure you have the equivalent. Anyway, so... And she says, I need you to help me with this. And I said, oh, okay, sure. I said, well, here. Yeah. So she gets on her computer, on my, my computer, we're on the phone. And I said, okay, you know, type this. Said, okay, there's your webpage. Okay, click on that. Okay, you're, you're good to go. Oh, I don't know how to read English really well. I said, what? I said, well, do it for me. You know, work it out. I said, yo, child, I don't have time for this. I got things to do. I got a sermon to prepare for tomorrow. You know, be on your own. Go on. Oh, but I don't read English very well. I said, all right, all right, all right. Okay, I said, well, click on this one. Okay, now, what does it say there? And she starts reading it to me. Almost perfectly. And you know what I said to her? I said, it's not that you can't read English, Laura. It's that you don't believe in yourself. I said... Stop bothering me. Read the webpage. Figure out what you got to do and get it done. Love you. Bye. Hung up. I'm not going to sit there. God provides for us. 
Yes. Now I ask you this. Do you have that kind of assurance? I, I mean that. That nothing, nothing will separate you from the love of God. Nothing will separate you from the purposes of God. There is absolutely no noun the devil can throw at you to make one verb. Separation in your life. Are you assured of that? Do you really, I ask you, do you really love God? Do you love God? Do you go beyond playing church? Do you love God? Can you say with the Apostle Paul, let me just put this thought in your mind and we'll close. For I know, he says, For I know whom I have believed in, and am convinced that he is able to guard, to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Can you say that? Have you entrusted God with your soul? Have you entrusted God with your life? Can you say, it is well in the midst of the storm? Do you know Jesus as your providential Savior? Or is He just some kind of a good luck charm? Some kind of a traditional thing you do. Do you know Him enough to love Him? Enough to trust Him with your life? Enough to say, if all that happened to Joseph, and he ended up second in command in Egypt, certainly I won't go through all of that. Who knows where I'll end up? What does He have planned for my life? What more great things am I being formed into for the purpose of God? I trust you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I trust you really know and you really have assurance. Because I can't give it to you. That only comes from knowing God. And if you don't, folks, it's okay. This is the best place to be in. This is actually the perfect place to be in. Because you can have your answer, your questions answered. You can not walk out that door with question marks. But stay. Say, you know, I believe in God, but I don't know that I love God. No problem. We'll stay and talk. And we'll share with you the love of God. And the assurance of God. And then you'll rest in the providence of God. Let's stand as we pray.